Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week we focus on a dress code issue coming out of Manatee County Schools. There, a teenage girl went to high school without wearing a bra and was brought into the office by administrators, female administrators, who told her that she needed to cover up so that way she wouldn't be a distraction to other students. The girl fought back saying that she wasn't violating the school district dress code and suggesting that perhaps she was being harassed for the way she was dressing and that that wasn't appropriate. She turned to the media and the story went viral. Today, we'll be talking with Nancy Abudu, a lawyer for the ACLU of Florida, which has been investigating the case and looking into the issues about the underlying things that go on when discussing dress codes, student rights, and who has to do what in such instances. Let's turn now to our interview. So, Nancy Abudu, you are the legal director with the ACLU Florida, and thank you so much for joining us here on our Gradebook podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Very happy to be here. You have an interesting perspective, I would imagine, on this case involving the Bradenton girl who faced some pushback, I guess we will call it, on her choice of clothing at school. And, and, now, first, I understand you're working on this case in some regard. Is that correct? Well, the incident, yes. To my knowledge, there's been nothing filed, um, although I do know that the parent has complained to the school, although I don't know if formal charges have been filed. So, yes, we, the ACLU is carefully investigating what happened in terms of the policies that the school has enforced, and we have been in touch with the family. Are you able to share any of the details that you know? Because I I really want to talk more about the underlying issues, but if there are some specific things that you think play a role in what people should know, I, I would love for you to be able to share them. If not, we'll just move on, so... Yeah, I mean, I think what's been reported in the media is generally, you know, what has been shared. And I think what I could share right now, I think there is some different perspective or point of view in terms of the actual facts. So that's what we're really digging a little deeper into to understand all of the school administrators who played a role, exactly what was said, exactly what was done um, to help craft a proper response. Well, I know that this issue has resonated across the country, probably across the world. I've seen headlines coming across my news feeds all on this issue. And and I think it speaks to something bigger than just one girl and one one school because people want to be able to know what they can do to wear clothing in school. It's a First Amendment issue for some people and, and what they can what their rights are as students in school. There's also the whole issue of are dress codes fair to girls because they force girls to dress so that they don't bother boys rather than dealing with boys and how they react to what the girls are wearing? What have you been looking into? What is the most interesting part about this from from your perspective? 
Well, everything, every all the all of the above, really. I mean, you're right. School school clothing or dress codes have been uh, a target and used often in terms of challenging student behavior and or speech. And so we know that when students wanted to wear wrist armbands in opposition to the Vietnam War, that became a problem. When students want to have political signs on their T-shirts, that has been a problem. We've had had um, ethnic, you know, implications of some of these dress code policies, especially when you speak about African-American girls who tend to wear braids more than their um, other female counterparts and restrictions that schools have imposed on those kind of hairstyles. So I think that it is, it's bigger than just clothing. It's unfortunate that students are going to school to learn and yet they're not even able to make it through the front door of the classroom because of how of their appearance and we definitely recognize that there are instances when reasonable restrictions can be placed on student clothing and that schools can have dress code policies but they shouldn't be created or enforced in a discriminatory way and as you just mentioned unfortunately female students bear the brunt when it comes to disparate treatment. What about that? What can a girl do if she walks in, like this girl is reported to have done, wearing something that boys are considered to be distracted by? Uh, the school tries to deal with it, and the girl, in this case, turned around and said, you're harassing me. Uh, who's right? Or is there a right? And not in a specific case, but just generally speaking, is there a right that we have to walk down that line and say, this person has more credibility, more ability to do what they want than the other? Well, in terms of what's right, you know, that may be where there's more room for debate. But we know what is wrong is any situation, and I, you know, and as I said, we're still uncovering the facts with respect to the student um, in Bradenton, but any situation where a female student is being targeted and humiliated and asked to, um, you know, behave in a way or is being told that she's behaving in a way even unintentionally on her part that distracts boys simply because boys haven't been taught to control themselves or to behave in a proper way, is that is wrong. Um, and so I think there definitely needs to be some education in terms of gender stereotyping, gender discrimination, and the fact that in some situations you, it's even hard to make a distinction based on gender. We know that there are boys or, or males who do have um, enlarged breasts, and this policy and the school's treatment doesn't seem to apply to situations like that where a, a male students' nipples are exposed or breasts are exposed. And so, again, I think to uh, try to apply a double standard that cannot be so easily enforced um, because of the discriminatory impact is problematic. What can a school do, though, especially when they're in a high school and everybody talks about, you know, kids, not just boys, but all kids are going through these hormonal changes and they may react differently than if they were adults. Right. Well, I don't pretend at all to be a psychologist. I think my only expertise is that I myself was a teenager at some point. And we, <laughs> I think, can 
just go back to personal experiences of the awkwardness of puberty and growing up. You're figuring out your body. You're figuring out, you know, your attraction to other people. And so, again, adults, especially in the school setting where where children spend so much of their time, really the majority of their their heart of their day um, in schools that an administrator would be so careless and un, and some would say actually very cruel in their treatment of this student. I think that the, those are the things that we need to focus on. You know, children or, or youth, teenagers, they're going to be going through various stages as they develop physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's the responsibility of the adults, especially, again, school administrators, to create an environment that's welcoming, that's understanding, that's encouraging, that's inclusive, so that students can have an opportunity to talk about it. Um, even if the administrators did have a legitimate problem with how the student was dressed, the way it was handled was completely inappropriate and unprofessional and very disappointing on when, it, when again, you think that these are folks who are tasked with um, dealing with our children on a regular basis. What kinds of things can a school write into its rules that don't violate student rights but still are able to control the way that students dress in this case? Right. Well, I think that there are no, you know, it's hard to put any bright line rules if that's what you're looking for right now. But I know that there have been challenges to dress code policies, for example, that require girls to only wear dresses. Um, number one, you know, obviously females are wearing pants now and there are males who prefer um, to wear dresses or skirts. Um, so those kind of policies don't take into consideration are changing gender um, identities or for those who are even questioning their gender identity. So I think that schools need to be very careful about policies that restrict the kind of clothing that, that students can wear based on their gender. Um, I think we also want to talk about, again, clothing that is restrictions that are really subjective in terms of, you know, the impact. And that goes back to the one of the justifications, as I understand it, that, you know, we don't want to have clothing that's distracting to boys. Well, hopefully there are some boys in those classrooms who are in school to learn and not just focused on what their female students are wearing. Um, and that, again, it would create an opportunity, whether it's, you know, when I was growing up, it was called family life. I'm not sure what it's called mm -hmm. today, but some kind of classes that, that create, again, a safe environment where students can talk about the feelings that that they even have difficulty articulating, and school dress codes need to take those issues into account as well. So again, if you're looking for a list that says you can have this, you can have that, I think that, that, that that's not the, the right approach. I think the right approach is to look at what's reasonable given the context in the school. And fair as well, as you mentioned, having students who are boys who might wear something distracting, they don't seem to be held to as stringent a standard. I guess girls are more mature and they don't get distracted, perhaps. 
Right, and then you, and then so there's one, there's the policy, and then number two, there's the enforcement. Because if you have a policy that says, well, all girls have to wear bras, and yet girls who, let's say, may be a little less developed um, in that area get by without wearing a bra, and yet a, a female student who is considered to be more developed in that area is penalized when she does it. And so, again, even though we would have a problem with that re- that requirement on its face, for sure, an unequal application definitely presents some, some, some you know, vi- concerns when it comes to student rights. What do you make of the schools that then bring out these big, gigantic shirts that say, I am a dress code violator, and tell the students that they have to wear those until they get into proper clothing? absolutely shameful and the adults who thought of that idea and then actually implemented it should be completely ashamed of themselves we're in an environment right now where bullying in the schools is really perhaps at an all-time high i don't know all-time high but definitely we're hearing more and more stories and perhaps that's because students and families are finally feeling more comfortable um, vocalizing the fact that these situations are happening so for an adult covered with the role or title of administrator or teacher or even principal or dean to be the one to come up with and then implement what is really a body shaming type of policy is absolutely unacceptable. If you were then to go on and give some advice to schools that are creating these policies and families and children that have to live with them, what would be your overriding advice to them on how to proceed from here, knowing all of these different things that we've discussed and how contentious they can be? The number one uh, suggestion would, would be to put those two camps that you just described together. You know, school administrators, and I recognize that it is a very tough job um, to manage a school. You're in charge of, of making sure kids are learning. Now you've got the pressure of all of the state testing. On top of that, you've got safety issues that are rising. And so I am not trying to pretend, and I don't think the ACLU in general is trying to pretend that school officials do not have a tough job. But when they implement policies like this, the only thing they're doing is making their job more difficult. And they're also distracting from the real issues, legitimate issues that at schools that they're dealing with, which I just mentioned a few of them um, a few seconds ago. And so I, I would hope that this would this situation and others that have happened would create a learning opportunity to say that schools cannot make these kind of policies in isolation. They have to include the individuals who are actually impacted, and that would be the parents and the students. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. This is a super interesting issue, and I look forward to hearing from you again when you know more about the specific case and maybe move forward on that. Absolutely. Thank you again for inviting me to participate. That's the end of our interview and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this conversation, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. If you want to continue to follow all of the education-breaking news, go to our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. And please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and give it a rating if you like it. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.